Hello and welcome into another edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast, brought to you by Arrowhead Live. I am Price Carter, and joining me, as always, is Christian Amesworth. Christian, it is the first victory Monday of the season for your Kansas City Chiefs. What are your big takeaways from the game? IP is that dude. Basically, that's really what I came away with. Um, I, I know we barely saw him. There's towards the end. Still had more rushing yards than anybody on the team, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, just instant reaction from me. I I feel like you're going to have to work pretty hard to come up with a negative coming out of this game. I mean, they're, the game was never in question. It felt like the Chiefs were pretty much just had control of the game from beginning to end. And even if you did find things to complain about, you can also kind of find a way to highlight it being a positive. I mean, one thing that I think was a little bit of a negative coming away from the game, other than just injuries, which is, you know, completely normal. It's just at times there were some, they did struggle to wrap up Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray, Murray's one of the most elusive quarterbacks in the league. So even then you can't complain too much. I, I mean, there's just, I, I, I'm trying to think of where I want to start most. I mean, I think the, I think the thing that everyone will want to talk about is the play of Patrick Mahomes, which is tremendous and rightfully so deserves a lot of credit. But I think the thing that's the most newsworthy for the chiefs is how well the defense played Ben Neiman, Anthony Hitchens, Tyron Matthew. I'm telling you, we're going into the fourth quarter of that game, needing another score. Now, I think that the, you know, the old Chiefs would have absolutely have won that game too. But I think that we're it's more of a situation where Kyler Murray's scrambling and making plays where they just can't stop the run enough. And it's, you know, 37-28 or something in the in the fourth quarter, and we're kind of needing to go get another field goal to put it away. And that was not the case here. I, I know the score looks a little bit different, but the starters more or less hold the held the Cardinals to seven points. And this is an offense, and I know we like to make joke about the Cardinals, but this is an offense that was good. This is a team that went to the playoffs that was competing in one of the best divisions in the NFL last year. So instant reaction is just a fantastic way to start the season headed into the Chargers game. Well, yeah. And I mean, you look at the defense, we'll credit them. There's one thing that I really was concerned about, and that was the lack of sack production. And then, I mean, you look at it and you're like, we never, I mean, what did we have? Like three or four sacks on the game. So it wasn't anything crazy. Um, But then you look at it like, oh, well, how many pressures did we have? We had three guys with six pressures, like George Karloftis, Frank Clark, and I think it was Mike Dana who also had six pressures. So it's like we were getting there. We were just facing a quarterback that was incredibly mobile and could get the ball away and make plays. Now, you know, there there were some things that we could say about the back end, although I think everybody played mostly well. Um, One of the weird things I noticed, though, was that Jamal Williams was a little bit, or Joshua Williams, excuse me, was a little bit further down the depth chart than I thought he was going to be. We saw Jalen Watson come in there and replace uh, Trent McDuffie when he went down. And that honestly, that was a shock to me. I, I didn't know he was going to be that high up on the depth chart. Well, I, I think one thing that was a real positive from this game is that there was no, I mean, I was slightly worried that we were going to get some weirdness where we get some of the veterans that are running out there, like Dion Bush getting on the field when it should have been Brian Cook or something like that, or Darius Harris at linebacker rather than Leo Chanel. But credit to... Steve Spagnolo, he played the young guys. And that's something that we've been calling for a lot more. So that was good to see. 
Jalen Watson definitely outplayed Joshua Williams in the preseason. Pretty much everyone I've read and listened to agrees with that diagnosis. So seeing him out there makes me feel even better that they were playing the best guys. Um, you know, Jalen Watson started getting on the field a little bit more when Trent McDuffie came up with that hamstring injury. Also in the fourth quarter, Chad Henney and the backups were in there. So, it, you know, that Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams thing, I think that was all part of that. But I, to me, just the thing that popped the most with the defense, and it's the same thing. And it, it makes me feel good because we sat here last week and said, where are we wrong about the team? A big part of what we were talking about is like, this is preseason and we're overrating the things that we're seeing. But the defense, the athleticism on the field, it's just, it's just staggering the difference it makes. Angles seem to be cut off more than they used to be. You know, it used to be if someone got around the corner, they were gone. Whereas now the Chiefs players are able to cut up the field and get that angle. Whenever you see a, a wide receiver catch a pass, there's athletes in the screen with them. So even if the Chiefs give up a reception, someone's right there to take them down. And then, like, one of the best plays to illustrate this was a great play by Juan Thornhill on the sideline, where I believe it was a, either a key third or second uh, down when the Cardinals got the ball back after that juju fumble. Um, Juan Thornhill just dives and lays out for the pass and knocks out of bounds would have been an incredible interception if he had made it, but the batted down pass was still like a tremendous play and just athleticism all over the field. And that's even saying for a game that personally, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay struggled a little bit in this game. Like uh, there's definitely been better performances from them. And I think part of that is just trying to keep contain on Kyla Murray. This is a game that asks a lot of the linebacker core. But the athleticism of the defense, it looked great. And I mean, the thing that you have to feel the best about is Chris Jones was in the back, just like living in the backfield. He didn't get any sacks. Again, Kyla Murray, elusive, contained. But some of your secondary guys cleaned up those sacks. Carlos Dunlap got a sack. Um, Tershawn Wharton got a sack. You know, those guys are your secondary guys. And if, the, if they're wrapping up and finishing sacks, you're going to feel pretty good about that going forward because we know that Chris Jones, George Karloftis, Frank Clark are going to get theirs as well. Well, let's talk about the linebackers for a second because I know that's kind of been a narrative that has been pushed after the game. And I won't say that they did incredibly well, but how much more could you ask them to do as part of the defensive unit? Like we essentially held them to 14 points up until the last quarter when our backups were playing and Kyler Murray didn't have any major scrambles. So I mean, he would get one or two yards every once in a while. But again, he's one of the most elusive quarterbacks in the league. Like, how much can you reasonably ask of those guys when you're playing a guy like Kyler Murray on the opposite side of the field? I just think that they did extremely well, given the, given the circumstances. They can, all, they can always do better. I mean, Willie Gay was a little suspect in some, uh, in some secondary coverages and, and things like that. But, like all over I thought they did really really well yeah and I mean to be clear we're picking the the smallest of nits here when it comes to linebacking core Willie Gay just definitely had some tackles that he overshot he you know they call him turbo for a reason sometimes he you know gets so athletic that he gets himself out of position but um, you know there was that first drive that the Cardinals scored on where James Conner took advantage of him a little bit but the important thing is is that the defense, they had their chance for it to kind of start going south after that Smith-Schuster fumble, and they came right back and turned the ball back over and got the ball back in Patrick Mahomes' hands. And that's just the huge difference um, that I feel like, and most notably, 
Steve Spagnuolo defenses suck in the early going, and then they get better. If this is the week one product, given, you know, injury luck and all those things, if this is the way it looks week one, I'm really excited to see what this is going to look like by the end of the year. Well, and let's be our non-biased selves here. I think that we were playing a pretty shot Cardinals offense, and it's Andy Reid week one, so you know that the our offense is going to be on point. I think – well, yeah, but I mean, in game two, what is, else could they have done? Right? I mean, I, I agree with your consensus that the Cardinals sucked, but they made him look like ass. They could still be on the field, and I'm not sure that they would score enough if they would break 40 points, the Cardinals, you know? So, I mean, they did what they were supposed to. They had some garbage time in there, but they made a bad team look bad. I'm sitting here watching the Broncos let the Seahawks run up and down the field on them with wide open players. And that's Geno Smith. Kyler Murray is an MVP candidate. Geno Smith was in a battle with Drew Locke, you know? So I, I, I'm not frustrated with the defense or anything. And I, I don't think that we have to grade this performance on a curve because they were injured. I understand DeAndre Hopkins. I understand that Zach Ertz was dinged up. But, you know, I think they did about all we could ask, ask them to on, on the defense. Oh, yeah. And it don't get me wrong. This was a great defensive performance. I'm just saying that, Next week, when we're playing the Chargers, I don't think we can expect them to replicate this performance. I think that Steve oh, Spagnuolo. I, I think like they can said, because I, I'll get to this in a second. We need to get to the offense, but every game that Justin Herbert plays, I Justin Herbert is a downtown coffee shop. It's a coffee shop that no one knows about, or everyone thinks no one knows about, and yet it always has a line. And it's a hipster coffee shop that everyone who's a real person. Mahomes is Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or Aaron Rodgers is Dunkin' Donuts. All those mainstream coffee places you've heard of before. But everyone who shops at Justin Herbert's coffee shop thinks that it's just this, well, the real true quarterback talent is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is this guy that everyone thinks is just, you know, on the same level. And yet every freaking game he plays, you look up and he's good. He's gone off and he's got all these highlights and everything. And it's 24 20. And the team that's playing Justin Herbert is driving for the ball. That and this season is going to be the season that I think a lot of people are going to remember and realize that there is a bigger disparity than people want to admit at the quarterback position. And what well, I mean by that, Mahomes and Herbert? I'm just or... saying, yes, because, and uh, it's hard because I do think Herbert's probably top five. But I think that there's a, a tier there that Herbert's not on with Mahomes. And the well, thing is, is yeah, that, of, well, of course, but here's the thing. People don't see it that way. This is this year. People put him in that same conversation. And the thing that makes uh, the, the three I'll put there is Rogers, Mahomes and, and Brady right now. It's just the ability. And this also was a Joe Burrow rant to the ability to put the game away. Justin Herbert will have those throws and he will have those plays. And you'll look down, it's like, wow, three touchdowns and 368 yards and no picks. What a great performance. But then the team is up 24 nothing. Mahomes is king. And this is like coming from someone who watched Alex Smith and Trent Green and all those guys for all those years. The thing that just feels the most different watching Patrick Mahomes is it's, you know, the game's still in question. It's it's 28-14, where it's like, okay, it's like a like a two, three score game. Mahomes has Mahomes has the kill shot. It's the, it's the one, like in this game, it was the Jody Fortson touchdown where it's just like, oh my gosh, like that's the kill shot. It's over. It's the pass to Sammy Watkins in the AFC championship game against the Titans. That's the kill shot. And that's the, to me, that is the great separator. And like, 
like I said, you know, we're, we're, we're going to sit here and say that it's not possible for them to hold down the chargers. Like there's some offensive jargon, not, but I mean, the, the Raiders fumbled the ball twice. Derek Carr threw three interceptions and they were driving with a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter towards the end. So, I mean, let's not, let's not act like Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense. It's anything that the Chiefs defense couldn't handle. I just, I don't want to tamper expectations like that for the Chiefs defense because I think they're better than that. Well, I, I do have a problem with that, that Justin Herbert slander because anytime you have a quarterback that throws almost 300 yards has an over 75% completion percentage of those three TDs, I don't think that you can say he is not one of the best in the league i mean obviously okay. well i'm not saying that he's not one of the days, best in the but... league but i just think that the the margin between him and that next tier is more than people would like to admit and he gets a lot of a lot well first off i, I any chargers thing we can start with the fact that the nfl was desperate to try to get the chargers leverage in la because they know that their little brother and they moved that team there basically forced and pissed off a lot of fans in san diego so we can like start with that prior that any NFL media is just doing their damnedest to try to get Justin Herbert charger stock up in general. And the other thing is, is that people just seem to talk about him in the same breath as that. And I, I just don't think that that's fair. I don't think that he's done enough to put himself up in that because he does have those games, but also like Patrick Mahomes has never gone out and got his cheeks clapped by the Houston Texans. And like Justin Herbert has done that before. Justin Herbert had those games in 2019 where he didn't score a single touchdown against the, like they scored three points against the Patriots, like, well, or 2020. Let's, let's be careful though, because I think you're using the quarterback wins argument right here. And I don't know if you can hundred percent. No, it has nothing Justin to do. Herbert. It has nothing to do with winning. Well, you just said it he has, got his chiefs. He got his he chiefs did. slapped by the Texans. He, he did. Yeah. The, he, the chargers he, did. Dude, I'm telling you, have you ever seen a game like that from Patrick Mahomes? Uh, yeah, I saw half of a game like that when we faced the Bengals. Uh, I saw that. Oh, game, you mean the AFC um, Championship when he was up by four touchdowns in the defense? You know, like three touchdowns, and they let them back into it. Well, like I'm talking. In, well. in, by the way, okay, okay, okay. Let's let's talk about that game stretch, that three or four game stretch last year, where we played like the Cowboys, we played Packers, mm-hmm. and we, I mean, that we played. Uh, it was in that stretch where everybody was talking about Mahomes is overrated. Those were and not great games. Those were not great games, but he still did enough for his team to win, not just go out and get absolutely housed by a team that's picking in the top 10 in the draft. Like the Cowboys were a playoff team last year. You want to say like the wor- like the game uh, I think is the worst the worst performance of Patrick Mahomes' career was that Titans game. They were the number 1 seed in the in the AFC that that year. Like okay. they were a good team. Like he just does not. There are plenty of teams that that get one or two seeds in the AFC or NFC and are not great teams. You're you're like moving the target at this point. He... No, 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 no. You you are saying that Mahomes has never put up a bad performance like Justin Herbert has, and Justin Herbert hasn't earned all the adoration that he's getting right now, right? Correct. And, and I'm saying that you can't look at quarterbacks' worst times and compare it to Patrick Mahomes' worst stretch of football. Because they're both bad and they're not they're not indicative of themselves as players. Like and this is my has this, bad game. This is the argument about Joe Bur- Joe Burrow that I would like to get into. People put a s- extremely small sample size of quarterbacking play on display and say, "Oh, this this is the new them." 
not so much for Justin Herbert because he's done it for longer. And this is why, like, I, and I've been forgetting to mention him in the conversation. Josh Allen is on that tier, by the way, like Mahomes, Brady, Rogers, um, Josh Allen. But like Joe Burrow had a series of games that he played well in where his kicker was his best offensive weapon. And then people just instantly put him into that next tier. Justin Herbert hasn't even had that success that Joe Burrow has had being able to be consistent over a long, like good quarterback play, elite quarterback play year after year, when you have the guy, the target on your back and that you are the guy, that's what Josh Allen does. That's what Tom Brady does. That's what Patrick Mullins does. That's what Aaron Rodgers does. Justin Herbert has not done that to me yet because he does have inconsistent games where he goes out and gets destroyed by. And I mean, like, let's not act like the chargers haven't had a bajillion games where they should have won and had plenty of opportunities to win. And somehow they don't get it done. And that's the difference. And, you know, are, are we, are we talking about the same, you know, are we arguing about this last 5%? Yes. But the 5% is the difference. And that's what makes Mahomes Mahomes and Herbert Herbert. And I, it's just frustrating because people sit there and act like they are an equal entity. And this is, I mean, I'm not even arguing this for Patrick Mahomes. I'm arguing it for Josh Allen, Rogers, etc. Yeah, which I completely get. And, and I do not want to be mistaken here. Okay. Justin Herbert is not on the same level as Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe, or uh, not Joe Burrow, not a major mad, uh, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Like he's, he's not on that level, but I think that he is on that tier right below them where you're a feared quarterback who needs to be respected and you have the ability to win football games based on your talent alone. Now, I don't think Joe Burrow can do that. Again, I 100% agree with you there. But Justin Herbert is on a great team with a coach that likes to go for it. How many of those games would they have lost or won last year, rather, if Joe Staley wasn't calling a fourth and three play, if he wasn't having his offense out there on their own 30-yard line? Like, the, there's a clear difference between – the caliber of coaching that he has in LA rather than what we have here in KC. Do I think, I mean, I mean, this is like, we're now we're getting into what makes a quarterback a quarterback, right? Because if Justin Herbert was in Kansas city with the weapons, with Andy Reid set behind a year with Alex Smith, I think the result would probably be exactly the same, right? Like, I don't think that there's something like, I think Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert are as equally talented. I think that they are as equally intelligent. Like, I don't think that there's something inside Patrick Mahomes that makes him just like genetically better or anything like that. I, I just think that like right now at the product stand, we can't change situations. You know, we can't ch- help that the Chargers do things that only the Chargers can do, you know, like stabbing their quarterback in the lung and forcing Justin Herbert into his first game. That's, you know, the Chargers are going to charge her. We, we can't change those things. But I just, to me, it, it frustrates me because, like, this morning I get on and everyone's like, oh, Justin Herbert, man, he was on one today. And then seeing the ridiculous PFF scores of ranking him, and it's like, cool. He scored 24 points against a pathetic Raiders defense, and they had a chance to win that game still. Yeah, they were okay, but they were up 13 going into the fourth quarter, and Joe Staley decided that was the time to run down the clock and run the ball. You're trying to win the ball game. You're not trying to put up 40 points. If you have to to win, that's great. 
and you'd like to have, you'd like to score as many points as you possibly can, but they're in the business of winning football games. And especially in this division, I don't think that you can put, I don't think you can say, you know, Justin Herbert really kind of had a bad game yesterday because he couldn't close it. When in reality, they were up by two scores and they decided to run the ball. I mean, there's, there's only so much you could do with bad play calling. Obviously and you can check some things at the line, but what, it's, what it's, all can you do? This game is just like that game that he played against Kansas city and that went to over or against Kansas city in LA that went to overtime last year, where at the end of the game, you go and look at his stats and are like, looks really good to me. I don't know what the big deal is. But then if you go watch the game, he w- waited until the fourth quarter to start throwing some of his worst throws and incompletions. And that's where it happened. In the fourth quarter, he went like four of 20 or something ridiculous. I'm looking it up right now because I saw it earlier. But it's it wasn't just running the ball. But I let, let's put this one to bed. Uh, because we're, we've gotten so far off topic, but, um, Chiefs offense, like we were saying, really, really good. I was extremely pleased with the results that we saw from Patrick Mahomes and company. To me, the biggest thing there was just, it looked like Mahomes had five yards whenever he wanted it. Oh yeah. Well, and here's the problem with Mahomes now is that he can methodically move down the field and he doesn't have to keep taking those shots. I mean, how many times was Clyde wide open in the flat or Juju across the middle and the intermediate? Like, there were so many opportunities, and he seized every single one of them. He was, what, 30 for 39, and two of those incompletions were because he overthrew Nicole Hardman by about six or seven inches. Um, so, yeah, he was absolutely incredible. What, what more can you want from our quarterback? And – the league needs to be on notice. I mean, they were, they've been on notice, I guess, for a couple of years now. But after Patrick Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill, I think it's safe to say he is thriving without him, and I think that will continue throughout the season. Yeah, I man, I the thing that was probably the most exciting on the offense was just seeing how well Mahomes played inside and outside of structure. One thing that kind of like – came evident to me is if you remember last year, we spent a lot of time talking about how Mahomes seemed to struggle with the new offensive line. It looked like he was forced to step up a lot. He looked uncomfortable. That was not an issue here at all. It looked supernatural um, as far as his ability in the pocket. Stepping up, he looked much more comfortable. And then Juju looks like, you know, it's three years ago. He looked fantastic in space. I was pleased with what I saw from MVS, his run after the catch. He had a catch up the middle, looked really good. Um, you know, Kelsey is Kelsey, that nothing is new there. And I mean, let's let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Uh, the Chiefs made Clyde Edwards Alaire look good for a little bit, which uh brought people into my Twitter mentions as always, which is good. I, you know, I am always very happy if Clyde Edwards Alaire is going well because the Chiefs are going. Oh, yeah. Well, but with that being said, you know, at the top of the the podcast, I said IP was here. They made IP look pretty damn good, too. And that was when he was playing in the third, not only when he was in there with the backups in the fourth. So that offensive line, I think, has found their groove. And that was after missing Trey Smith as well. He went out 
Uh, what was it, an ankle injury? Or a, do you remember what, what injury he sustained there in the, the third yeah, quarter? Yeah, ankle injury for Trace. Ankle. Okay, that, that's what I thought, but I, but I they're, don't remember specifically. They list him as a potential limited participant in practice day. They didn't actually practice, but they he might play. I, I have a feeling that he's going to be okay. He was suited up there by the end, ready to go back in. So I, I have a feeling we'll see Trey Smith on, on Thursday night. But, man, I mean, like, isn't this what we have been begging for for the past couple of years? Like, ever since the departure of Kareem Hunt, like, can we run the football, please? Can we run it effectively? Can we, you know, get a guy back there that can actually do some dirty work and, and cut up the field and get some? And all three of our running backs did that. And I, I don't know if that is just because of the offensive line or because McKinnon and Clyde are, are actually healthy and we've got a good thro- third rotation back back there. But I'm liking what I'm seeing. Yeah, I think um, yeah, Sky Moore looked really good on that pass that he caught. I know it was just one, but, man, I would really love to see him getting going in this as well. Dude, Clyde, all, the look, all the rookies look good. They did. that. Um, my friend who's – a very loose Chiefs fan, which it's okay. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to like snort Chiefs football every morning like I do. You can just be a light Chiefs fan. He messaged me and goes, the Sky Moore guy looked pretty good. I was like, yeah, he's, he's a rookie. And he's like, and uh, this player looked really good too, this defensive end. I was like, oh yeah, that's George Koloftis. He's a rookie. And then he goes, and who was Pacheco? I don't know that player. He's like, oh, he's a, he's a rookie. He's the running back. He's like, wow, there's a lot of rookies on this team. I was like, yeah, that's how this season's going to be. Like, you're just going to see rookies all over the field for this team making a difference um yeah I, I i was very pleased with how well the chiefs overall ran the ball pacheco was very exciting in this and i know i understand it was kind of garbage time there towards the end but i that looked really good that looked like exactly what the defense needed and i the thing that just looked the best from the running backs was i do think clyde looked a step faster i'm still not gonna like proclaim anything because the biggest thing with clyde has never been could he have a good game? He's had good games. Can he have 16 good games? 17 good games is what we need from Clyde, not three or four. Um, so yeah, and that's exactly what I was thinking as he, the game was going on. I was like, damn, Clyde looks really, really good. But can he do it again? Like it, it wasn't like there's this, you know, Clyde is absolute dog shit. It's like, can he be consistent? Can he do it week in, week out? Yeah, exactly. And I, I definitely think the Pacheco and one thing too, that we don't talk about McKinnon was like a literal ghost in this offense last year until the playoffs came around. If they get the version of McKinnon that they got in the playoffs, assuming that he's going to get injured. But if we get that person, that player in here, that's absolutely going to make a difference too, because you saw there was a couple of times that he caught the ball and it, it's just different, his speed and everything. Uh, it, it's a game changer for this offense as well. And also, did you see that highlight that he had in pass protection where he decleated yes. that linebacker? That's exactly what I was going to say. He's the perfect third down running back in this offense. Like he can catch out of the backfield and he will blow people up at the line. So I do think that there were a lot of positives to take away from the Chiefs game. Overall, you can't really ask for much more from the Chiefs or their performance. Patrick Mahomes looked excellent. We're not going to really spend a lot of time on time on how good he looked just because it's nothing new in week one. We knew that this was going to be an offense that was out to prove a point looking ahead to the chargers. I think that this is going to be, you know, we've already gone down the Justin Herbert road here, but this is going to be a tough game. I think the biggest loss, you know, obviously you want Harrison Bucker to be good. 
Park kickers are never fun, even though shout out to Justin Reed, who was able to just be awesome as a replacement kicker, um, is Trent McDuffie. Losing Trent McDuffie, that's going to hurt. But I think that that might get neutralized. It's pretty doubtful that Keenan Allen's going to be able to play for the Chargers on the short week. What are you expecting in Chiefs versus Chargers? Do you think that this is going to be some epic showdown? I Spoiler alert, I don't think that it's going to be an epic showdown. I think I think we might walk away feeling a lot more comfortable about the Chiefs after this game. Oh, that that's your perspective? Well, after that Herbert slander, I, I guess I could have guessed that. But no, dude, come on. This is going to be an all-time great showdown. That's the way it was last year, and they didn't have half the weapons that they got in this offseason. So – this is going to be a tight game. It's an intradivisional game. Intradivisional, whichever one means indivisional. So we're in division. So it's going to be, it, those games are always tight. But you also have a Chargers team that's looking to prove a point as well. Just beating the Raiders was, was close enough for them. We saw how hard it was for them to, to handle them and the Raiders. So I think that coming in, you're going to have some high scoring. I keep saying high-scoring games, but this isn't the same defense. I, I think that this might actually be a little bit further away than we think it is. I think, you know, I'm thinking a two-score game. Chiefs win, two scores. Um, defensive battle for the Chiefs. This is really, really going to test them. Losing McDuffie, we'll see if he actually plays. I doubt it. Hamstrings are always kind of uh, questionable, especially for guys like, you know, incredibly fast athletic guys that play on the outside wide receivers included um so we'll see if keenan allen allen doesn't play as well but this is a this is a matchup man this is this is really going to stress that defense our offense is going to have to play incredibly well uh jc jackson was injured as well is he out do you know it's up in the air whether he's going to play. I I honestly think that they're going to probably make it a game time decision as to whether he's okay. going to play. Well, let's just pretend that he plays for now. You have to face J.C. Jackson. Um, somehow, Derwin James is is still kicking, so he's going to be playing against us as well. It's going to be tough. We are really going to stress. Hopefully, Juju has another great game. Kelsey will always be Kelsey. Um, but this might really test our offensive line and our running backs. So I, I can see, like I said, two score game is probably what I will bring it down to. I'll give you a score um, in just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I think the one important part for the chiefs here is that they cannot let secondary players beat them on offense. Gerald Everett is the new tight end in Los Angeles. He looked pretty good. Uh, made some plays in the, in the Raiders game, definitely brought some pop to that offense. They got to be able to keep Gerald Everett and Austin Eckler from beating them because if Keenan Allen's not there, it's Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, um, you know, a bunch of really kind of peace wide receivers that Justin Herbert makes look good that are not guys that should be killing you. So, you know, though, if they can keep, you know, those two guys from really making an impact on the game, I think that you're going to, come out feeling pretty good overall about the offense. Like I think that this is an offense that can be contained to right about what they scored last week, 24, 19 around that area. And then it's just up to the chiefs offense. I, this is actually a game that strangely enough, I do think it's going to be really important for the chiefs to be able to run the ball here. First off the chargers struggled with running the ball last year. Um, this is a defense that is now made in the image of Brandon Staley. So 
we can expect a little bit more on that end. We think that they're going to be better against the um, against the run because they were just brutal against it last year. The Raiders rushed the ball somewhat well, not terrific. Um, you know, about eighty yards rushing as a team, so definitely could have been better. But I think that getting Clyde, getting Pacheco, getting McKinnon going is one going to neutralize the pass rush, which it make no doubt about. Cleo Mack looked really good. Joey Bills was really good. I am nervous about Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley against those players. So it, it it's going to be important for them to get that going and then for them to be able to play off of that with the play action. But I do think that this is the type of game that if the Chiefs can take advantage of those items, that they can, you know, two touchdowns, I, I feel like that's definitely possible. I think that this is, again, a game that we're just going to be reminded that the, the separation between Andy and Patrick Mahomes and the rest of the league is bigger than people want to remember, especially because there is no greater disadvantage in the NFL than traveling on a short week from the West Coast to a closer time zone. Like analytically, that's been proven that that's the biggest disadvantage in line bets, and that's what the Chargers are facing. So good break for the Chiefs that they get to face the Chargers early, which also I definitely do not think that anything in the Cardinals game was some super – there was a couple of plays that were definitely gotcha plays, but – I don't think that Andy put a lot on tape that he wasn't going to want to put on tape. So you've got early season surprises with total new look offense, traveling on a short week, both teams being up. I'm definitely going to lean Chiefs here. Point spread right now is three and a half, leaning towards Chiefs. Definitely take the Chiefs against the spread. I feel like this could be a game that's a two-score game, as you said. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit more about those tackles there because I do think that that should be a point of emphasis. Um, you're facing Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. That is going to be a tough matchup. Now, when facing the Cardinals, we didn't have a single sack allowed. So that, and our tackles honestly played incredibly well given the circumstances, but this is going to be a game where they will be tested. I mean, Khalil Mack, we all know him. He was with the Raiders for a long time. Absolute stud. He didn't really get anything going with the Bears when he was traded over there, but that was like partially because of injury. And honestly, close to the same story for Joey Bosa. Like, always a stud. He's been incredible for his entire career. Just a little banged up. So those are two guys. It's early in the season. They're healthy. They're going to be going against a number one left tackle in Orlando Brown and our number two right tackle in Andrew Wiley. Um, who I think, honestly, I, I think the departure of Mitchell Swartz and Lucas Niang's injury are really going to become apparent. I think that that's going to be highlighted in this game. Um, that's just too much to ask of one man. Andrew Wiley, great player, can play all along the offensive line. Asking him to go up against those two monsters, I think, is going to be just too much for him. So we, we could see a lot more pressure on Mahomes um, without having to blitz him which we all know makes Mahomes a little bit uh it takes him down a few steps you know he's not really elite god Mahomes but he's still going to be good enough to to beat this team oh yeah and Arrowhead is going to be rocking I have no doubt that there's gonna be a lot of excited Chiefs fans out there gonna make it as hostile as an environment as possible so I'm gonna go my fifth official score prediction going to be a nice wholesome 31-21 win. Patrick Mahomes brings it home and this might, you know, I'll I'll go a step further and say that this might be a game that Mahomes 
his box score might not be as gaudy. You know, it might look more like a two touchdowns, one interception, 250, 300 yards, and the running game is actually what might bring it home for the Chiefs this week. Boy, never thought we'd say that on this podcast, huh? Chiefs well, I, if there's one team that you can say and argue that them being able to run the ball is important, because that's one thing, right? We didn't really get into it, but Vance Joseph is just like, oh, what's that? Every time Patrick Mahomes gets blitz, he turns nuclear. Let's test that theory again. You know, like, yeah. So yep. the Chiefs' success on offense, you can't just look at it and be like, oh, too high. Screw it. The Chiefs just totally solved it. Look, because that's not really what happened here. And make no doubt about it. That is exactly what Brandon Staley is going to do. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yep. That, you know, that's why I think that it's going to be important in this game because Staley is kind of one of the like main practicers of the too high religion. Oh yeah, it, it is. I think their base actually is they they come out in too high, yeah. but so that'll be interesting to see. The running game is definitely going to have to play a part in this win. I'm gonna go with 38-24 Chiefs. Now again, same sort sort of point spread as you have, uh, but I think the Chiefs' offense is just so potent right now, and I don't think that there has been. I don't think anybody's found a way to stop it. You know, with Mahomes being more patient and actually being meticulous and methodical moving down the field, that's going to scare defensive coordinators more than Tyreek Hill will. And doing that combined with a healthy Clyde, McKinnon, and IP, I think that that's a recipe for disaster for these defenses. So 38 points I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. Division rival, so it could drop those scores down. Um, I don't know. 21 31 I guess would be the appropriate 21 30 uh yeah 31 no 30 35 excuse me sorry dropping three points on both sides um so yeah it, it could be a little bit less than that but I, I see a high scoring game for the Chiefs again they're just too good on offense to to bet against right now agreed let's let's I I posed a question on Twitter today and this will be our last general NFL topic here which loss meant the most about the team overall? So, like, there's a lot of overreactions that happen in week one. You know, last year the Packers got destroyed by the Saints, and the Packers ended up being the, the one seed in the NFC. There's a lot of things in week one that don't end up mattering. But which actually meant the most about the team's loss? The Packers losing to the Vikings. The 49ers losing to the Bears. The Bengals losing to the Steelers, and then the last one, let me go look at my Twitter real quick here. There's one more that I put up there. Oh, the Rams losing to the Bills. Which loss says the most about the team? Green Bay, Cincinnati, Los Angeles, or San Francisco? So can I guess what the general public thought about this? Because yeah, I, yeah. I would say that they probably did the Green Bay. Correct. Yeah, about 50, about 50% of the people think it's Green Bay. Yeah, I, I would say that as well. Um, the Rams losing to the Bills. I know that was one of my picks last week, so I'll, I'll accept my, my shame right now. But the Rams are still a pretty good team. You know, there, there are no real questions about the Rams. They faced a juggernaut in the Bills who only got, well, I don't know if they got incredibly that much better. But, you know, they, they were coming off a season where they'd like to prove a point. The Rams are fat and happy at the top of the mountain. So to me, that wasn't, you know, anything crazy. The Steelers and the Bengals shouldn't have even been close 
if Burrow didn't throw four interceptions and fumble the ball once. So that was kind of a game where you were like, it, it was kind of pulling teeth to watch, where it's like, oh, I got to watch Mitch Trubisky go three and out again. Oh, and then we're going to overtime. Okay, I, I guess I'll keep watching. You know, it, it's exciting, I guess. If you don't like offense, this is a, if you're a defensive guy, this is the game to watch. But it was all, it was more about the Bengals than it was the Steelers. Um, but then you go to that Green Bay game and the Vikings and a team who I've been pulling for this entire offseason saying that they will win their division and make some waves in the playoffs. And they did exactly what I thought they were going to do. They came out, they smacked Aaron Rodgers in the mouth. That defensive line was monstrous. And Kirk Cousins held it together. And we saw Justin Jefferson go absolutely nuclear. So that, that offense is so incredibly good. That defense is great. And we saw Aaron just crumble with no number one option to throw to. And you know, honestly, it, it kind of made me a little sad because I watched that game, uh, you know, kind of mirroring the, the Tyreek Hill loss. And not that it's the same situation at all. But, you know, you lose that number one receiver and you're like, man, you know, what What are we really going to do? And then Travis Kelsey, of course. Yeah, I'm your safety blanket. I'm really the number one wide receiver here. I, I know my position says TE, but I'm really a wide receiver. And anytime Mahomes is in trouble, throw it to me. I'll be wide open. And that just kind of made me love Travis Kelsey a little bit more. Like, he he's the guy. We, we don't ever have to worry about that, or at least not right now, because Travis Kelsey is here. He's going to be here till he retires. And you know, we won't ever have to see Patrick Mahomes throwing to Randall Cobb 50 yards down the field for an incompletion that he drops. You know what I mean? It was just one of those things to see where it's, oh, how the mighty have fallen. And I think that doesn't do well for the rest of their season. Yeah, I, I, the Bengals game was pretty rough, although it was so enjoyable on Twitter just to see young Tom Brady struggle and throw like four interceptions that you know that was what he was proclaimed to be my thing is this skip Skip bayless said that this week yeah well my thing is this anytime you try to go back and fix the one issue you had last year you're completely avoiding roster construction in the future stop trying to win last year's super bowl and try to win this year's super bowl the Bengals were not an offensive line away they were not the best team in the afc last year they won, They went to the Super Bowl. That is correct. They won the AFC Championship. That is correct. But at best, they were the third best team in the AFC. Things happen. That's okay. That you know, I, you can argue that the Chiefs might not have been the best year, the best team the year that they went to a Super Bowl. That's fine too. The best team doesn't always win the Super Bowl. Part of it is is that sacks are a quarterback stat. Russell Wilson takes a lot of sacks. Joe Burrow takes a lot of sacks. Now, that was a great defensive line that they were playing, and T.J. Watt is a beast. But that fixing that offensive line, quote-unquote, was not the only thing that that team needed. The, clearly, that offensive playmaker group is fantastic in Cincinnati. But that defensive line is not just a complete product. The secondary is still relying on some players that are questionable at best. So I ultimately, I do think that the Bengals, you know, Part of that game was too that made it so just like agonizing to watch was how ridiculously bad the Steelers were on offense. And who knows, maybe they do go to Kenny Pickett at some point. But I will say, I, I think that the Bengals bounce back enough to where you know they're they're not going to be just awful this year. I think that 
you saw Joe Burrow still make some good plays when it had to. Joe Mixon still looks good. The defense is going to be solid enough. To me, the team that like showed the most here is actually San Francisco. You know, so like to me, I had said that no player seemed more interesting, more boomer bust than Trey Lance. Trey Lance, 164 yards with a pick, two sacks, 54 rush yards. That's not what they need. This is an offense that should be super easy for a quarterback to come into and have a big impact because of running the ball. They lose Elijah Mitchell. The defense is still beat up. That's a game that you had on your schedule if you're a 49ers fan as an absolute win. The Bears were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league. And yes, I understand that the field was soupy, but it was soupy for the Bears too. And this is a team that should have plenty of athleticism to thrive on and do fine in that. They run the ball well. That's supposed to be a strength of this team. And for them to get that type of performance against that team, in that time slot, like this is a game that if, you know, if the 49ers really are the team that we think is a, you know, a Super Bowl contender, you go out and you win that game handedly and they let them hang around. And I think that just says a lot. Now I debated about whether saying this game at all, because they could also just absolutely go back to Jimmy G and be the team that they were. But this, we also don't necessarily think that, Jimmy G makes them a Super Bowl contender. I'm not sure. But well, to me, this just this just a way that they do that, right? Oh, I absolutely think that there is. I think really? that yeah, really? I mean, you don't think they're all in on, I, on I think, Lance this year? I think they I think they've passed that bridge a long time about being quote unquote all in whenever they brought them back. And then also, like they control one thing that we forget too is like what is a main source of NFL media leaks? It's players agents and stuff right we knew that patrick mahomes was doing well in camp his rookie year and his second year we heard the rumors we've never heard any of that from san francisco we've never heard that oh man like trey lance is just cutting it up in camp we've not heard that and i think there's a reason i think that they're kind of tipping their hand a little bit and it i'm just saying no very very few times has ever happened that the quarterback that's bent stayed on the roster for the next season. Like Alex Smith got benched for Colin Kaepernick. He was traded. That happens all the time. You know, think about like whenever Tony Roma took over for what's his name? Can't remember. He used to play on the Patriots. But um Troy Aikman, maybe? No, it was Troy. It was, it was right before him. Oh, it'll come to me. But you know, like that's a talk toxic situation. Um and yeah, but did so they like, did they really not try to get rid of him though? I mean I, I think that they had a hard they, time. They tried but- they really could have hard cut. to get rid of them. They, they absolutely could have cut them. They could have cut them. I understand that you want to get some sort of value out of it, but once it was apparent that no one was trading for them because of the injury, they absolutely could have cut them and you know kept their cap savings and got yeah, them off the why? roster. Why though? They, because, this is essentially to me because like a Frank Clark to, situation. Like well, the Chiefs are done with Frank Clark. But this isn't. But if Frank he wants to come Clark, back, it's with not Frank one Clark. Million. Frank Clark is a defensive end. You're talking about your franchise quarterback that you traded like two or three first round picks to move up for and draft number three, who's the future of your franchise no, that has I, a that has a fragile, you know, has like a fragile ego and stuff like like I the locker room that, needs to be his. But here's the thing: is that the NFL is unpredictable, and if you can have a guy who took you to a Super Bowl a few years ago come back for basically nothing and be the backup quarterback, I think that's a no brainer. And I think that like, that's. And they, 
I think they that that's true at every position except quarterback. I think treating quarterback like left guard or defensive end or corner or anything like that, where it's like, well, why would I get rid of this guy? I've got a good player right here. And every, you know, like it, it all makes very good sense, except for the quarterback position is just way too important for that. Leadership is way too important. Like think how newsworthy it is whenever a quarterback isn't named team captain on a, on a roster, right? Like, you know, that was the big thing about Tua last year is that he wasn't even a captain for the team. So that stuff matters. Well, and, and I understand that, but I just think that keeping a guy for cheap makes a whole lot of sense for a team that you don't really know a whole lot about. Now, it's also insurance. Like, I, I'm not saying that it was a smart for – the, for the position of quarterback to, to bring a guy back, I do think that plays with a guy's ego a little bit. But you're talking about professional athletes here. I don't think that they are in the locker room. They're not the 2016 or 2020 Eagles, right, Where or 2018, whichever year they won the Super Bowl, where they have a shrine to Nick Foles in the locker room to get rid of Carson Wentz. Like, this is a team that's been there, done that. They're professional. I think that keeping him was was more of a strategic move and a money move than it was um, – you know, to keep in case of Trey Lance not being great. I think they're going to stay with him this entire season. I would wager money that Jimmy Garoppolo's is starts a game this season, whether it be by phantom injury or not. I believe he's starting a game for the 49ers. I'll tell you what, I'll take you up on that bet if it's two games. They'll start two games. I still think I still think that's completely possible. I just think that I just think that the there's too much pressure on that roster to win right now for that to not be the case. That you know, if Jimmy G is looking bad, because I mean, listen to the schedule here of what the 49ers have. If they're anywhere like below 500 in this streak here, I don't see how you could not go to them. So they're already 0 1. They play the Seahawks next week. Then the Broncos, then the Rams twice, Panthers, Falcons, you feel good about that, and then the Rams again, and the Chiefs. So, like, they could easily come out of there and, like, be really, you know, if there were, like, two or three games below 500 for there, <laughs> that's going to be a problem. Oh, yeah, it absolutely could be, but I don't know. I just think that they're all in. They they could go back to them, but to me, that's, you know, they, they want to see what they have for whole season they want to see if it can work out and if they can you know make it to the next level with him and if he's any better than Kirk Cousins and I think that you don't lose anything by letting him start this entire season like yeah you know what there are guys that are going to get a little bit older but their roster is constructed well they're going to have some cash space next season where they can go out and make a move for a guy and I get that Nick Bosa extension done no kidding for him to play eight games a year well he hasn't been that injury prone not, not mm. it definitely. He's not D Ford. No, but he's Joey Bosa. He and Joey yeah. Bosa miss essentially the same time. Agreed. So we'll we'll have to see. I uh, I'm still all here for the Bengals regression as well, which we have predicted here in this podcast many times. Oh yes, yep. But it's time to discuss the last topic for the show. Um, this will be my last podcast with not just another sports podcast. Um, it's been a great ride. I've truly enjoyed connecting with our guests, connecting with you, especially Christian. 
Um, I'm so glad that I've had this opportunity to really get my feet wet. Like, let's be honest. If you go back and listen to episode number one to the product we are today, hopefully there's great improvement. I feel like there's been a lot of improvement. Um, but I, we've really grown together as a podcast and I know we've grown as individual contributors. It's been so fun to be able to share my thoughts on sports and the chiefs with everyone in this way. And I'm just really glad that I've had the opportunity. Um, I am not stopping covering the chiefs. Um, I will be doing that in another outlet that will be on my Twitter on Friday. You can kind of find my work and where I'm going from there. But Christian, why don't you just, you know, talk a little bit about what the future of the show is going to look like? Well, I do want to say congratulations before we get to talking about anything else. You have completely deserved this. One of the best contributors on the site. One of two or three guys that I can go to if I ever need anything. Uh, you know, reading through an article, just talking general chiefs, just shooting the shit. Yep, one of the best guys on the on the staff. And we're definitely going to miss you around here. But, well, but go ahead. It, it's it you know it's it's been a great site to write for and work for. We certainly appreciate Arrowhead Live and everything that it's given both of us as far as an opportunity to go and create content and grow. And you know sometimes success means you stay where you are, and sometimes success means you move on. And I just think that this is a good opportunity for me. But overall, I I couldn't agree more. And I'm so glad that you know in Slack that's more or less where this podcast started is just me and Christian talking in Slack and realizing we had a lot of similar ideas and it's bloomed to what it is today. So I, I'm super appreciate you doing all the work with editing and everything that you've done. Well, thank you. And we're definitely going to miss you around here. It's, it's going to be interesting the next couple of weeks. Hopefully I will be turning in this in turning this podcast into one led by me, where we have a rotation of guests that come in uh, Caleb James from the site, uh, I've talked to him a little bit about it, see if he wanted to come on as well. Um, it'll be more interview style where, you know, I'll be talking to guys from PFF, uh, Locked On, and, and doing maybe a little bit more creative stuff. Um, but again, dude, it's honestly honored to work with you. Um, hope we get to work professionally together in the future as well. But the podcast will still be going on. That's the main thing I want to keep going. Now, it, it will still have the same name not the same cast. So if you're here for price, go ahead and follow him to where he's going, man. He's going places. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, just, just do both, right? Just like, yeah, you, you don't, know. you don't have to listen, just at least download the podcast on streaming. You can just like skip through it or, you know, yeah. skip through my work or whatever, but it's got to at least click on it. We That's all we really care about is your clicks, but, but we need the clicks. Please continue to click and stream our stuff. Yeah, I mean, we all have downtime throughout the day right you just put it on put it on the side you, everybody's got spotify everybody's got apple podcast just throw it on you don't even have to have headphones on. <laughs> set it off to the side get those views absolutely well uh for the last time this has been not just another sports podcast in the way that it is currently structured you can find my work where i'm going and new opportunities at price a carter on twitter and you can find your new host C breezy underscore edits Christian Amesworth on Twitter. This was not just another sports podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Live. And from all of us, thanks so much for helping us make this podcast what it was. We super appreciate it. Thanks, guys. See you.